Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Westworld podcast, or actually HBO Boys. And we are here to recap and review season four of Westworld, our foundational show. Season four, episode two, entitled... Well Enough Alone. Hmm. Yeah, leave well enough alone. Which is why we're doing the old intro. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And I liked your intro there. It went from not confident, real wavy, (laughs) what are we doing here? This is crazy, to Walter Matthau. Yeah, well, I'm feeling good. Insanely enough... I l- right. really liked this episode. Because y- yes, <laughs> yes. Episode one was terrible, and then this it one sure, was pretty it good. sure, it sure was, James. So I went on Instagram today, which was my first mistake, and then I saw a post from Westworld, which was my second mistake, and I went down there. And then my third mistake was that it was a video of Clementine Pennyfeather, the best name, when she said this to the Secret Service that they were, in fact, obvious and not so secret, which in a vacuum sounds dumber. That line sounds dumber than it did when I was just watching the show. When I was watching the show, I was like, huh, that's slightly endearing, mainly because just like, I'm glad Clementine is not dead after what happened at the beginning. But I'll tell you, the Instagram people did not like it. They didn't, like, they said things like, so bad since season one, and she sucks at acting, and other stuff. Oh, they hate that, then they hate Clementine, not this episode necessarily. No, I think they just hate their own lives, if I'm being honest with you, and anybody. But while Reddit was on the exact opposite other side of the spectrum, they loved the shit out of this episode. Uh, But to be fair, it's the Westworld subreddit, which only houses two kinds of people, diehards who will never hate the show, and people like us, diehards, who are generally sad about it. And on that spectrum, I definitely landed on the side of the Reddit wangbangers, like, who, you know, they're always, always going to like the show or just be disappointed by it, which is what we've been recently. But, yeah, no, this episode was, like, good. I caught myself being like, what? <laughs> like, how dare you be good, bitch? Yeah, and and just to say, uh, for everybody out there, the Secret Service is called the Secret Service because before their job was to protect the president, their job was to find counterfeiters, which is a very dangerous operation, and so it was totally secret. And then later on, they were like, yeah, you guys, you do a good job with counterfeiters, but you could probably take on a little more work. Uh, they just killed President Lincoln. Maybe it's, if somebody has the room to protect the president, you guys could probably do it too. Yes, which is why they are the, or why they are part of the Treasury Department. I always loved in West Wing, they were like, we got to call Treasury. You know, and they were like, about money? I'm like, no, about high expertise bodyguards. So this episode was pretty straightforward. Only three kind of plot lines going on here. This time, the Christina storyline took a back seat. So Christina, this is the new character played by Evan Rachel Wood. Not Dolores, though. She wakes up. You know, Evan Rachel Wood, she's always waking up. And she's still rattled and upset about what happened to that NPC Peter committing suicide in front of her. But I love her roommate, Maya. Her job is just to downplay everything. She's like, yeah, just get over it. He's crazy. Crazy people will do stuff like that. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. It was clear in the first episode, but it's getting clearer and clearer that Maya is an NPC, either a host or part of a simulation 
just railroading Christine wherever she goes. Christine then goes outside, sees that homeless man who has always been screaming, and he's yelling about the tower and how the birds can hear the music. Him and the birds can hear the music. Christine mm-hmm. asks him one question, and he's like, what? You think I'm crazy? Like, dude, you've been trying to yell at people and get them to listen to you. And then one finally talks to you and you reject it. Maybe he can't see her. That might be a a point of contention. Uh, But yeah, also a bunch of dead birds. Yeah, the tower and the birds. Sad to know that, you know, in the future, there's still no social safety net (laughs) for the homeless and the mentally ill. Too bad. Or the birds. Or the birds who are flying into doors, glass doors. They ought to tint those doors a little bit and then the birds won't crash into them a bird flew into our door yesterday and while i don't believe that one birds are real and while i also believe that they are drones that the government has it was sad yeah so what i mean sad for that bird what's up with going on with you that the government's trying to get into your house with their bird drones exactly that's a question i also have i'm important later on dolores christina is riding in a Robo taxi, and she's going over her original pitch for Peter, trying to see if she can figure anything out. And she gets an annoying phone call from her boss, Emmett, because she's a no call, no show, which really, I mean, that's on you. You could have avoided this whole situation if you just called and said you were sick first. Listen, she had a lot to do that day. Okay. Mm -hmm. She is going through it. And the answer always to going through it is, let's go to New Jersey. She tries to lie then, and she's like, I'm sick in bed. And he's like, well, that's interesting, because the network says you logged into your work account in a taxi in New Jersey. So so, uh, you're lying. (laughs) And you're doing a bad job. Anyway, I'll probably see you tomorrow, uh, but don't, don't make this a habit. I, like Maya, am an NPC for sure. Yeah, her job's pretty shitty. She apparently can't take any time off if a crazy person commits suicide in front of you. It's like, I'll give you four days for that and then back to work, please. Yeah, he said that specifically. Four days leave a year. That feels like not enough. No. Also, if the job is just dictating stories to an AI, could this not just be a work from home situation? Mm, that's interesting. That's a thing we wouldn't have said if the past <laughs> two years of our lives didn't exist. But now it's very clear she does not have to be at the weird holopad desk to come up with very cool stories. Something about that story reminds her uh, of a detail of Peter's life. So she goes to a uh, loony bin and she finds that a wing of the mental hospital is named after Peter. But how could that be? Because he's a murderer and he just died three days ago. Very strange. Yeah, that makes no sense. Inside there, she finds blueprints. Uh, Some construction workers are around. They conveniently leave when Christine says to leave. She walks around again, sees Peter Meyer's memorial wing. And she calls Maya once again. And Maya's like, listen, just like trust in yourself. Maya's like, yeah, okay, it's it's weird that that they named the hospital wing after the crazy suicide murderer, but just stop worrying about it. (laughs) Yeah. Stop questioning your existence. Also, shut up and come back. Don't be in New Jersey. Christine hangs up with her, then turns to see someone's drawings. And those are pictures of the tower. And the tower looks like the Delos headquarters. 
Ooh, kind of, yeah, where Charlotte Hale works and is chilling all the time. Okay. So, I mean, that's all that happened with Christine. So, I mean, that, whatever, still building to something there. Teddy's going to show up and be like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, but I don't know you. He's like, but you knew me in a past life. That's definitely going to happen. Yeah. And I'm fine with that because, as previously mentioned, the Christine storyline was like the only one from episode one that I could deal with and not want to stop watching the show. So, yeah, great. You know, breadcrumbs, following them, eating them, which is a bad idea. The biggest shock for me in this episode was that I enjoyed the Maeve and Caleb plot line. (laughs) Yes, that was a huge shock because one of them is a feat, useless, and the other is a monotone, weird grease boy who... I swear to God, so many of his lines, I now think there is, that's the best take for that one. <laughs> right. mm, he's a mumbler, bit of a mumbler. Yeah, he mumbles all those gush dang mumbles, dude. But I really think they figured it out in this episode, and we'll get to it more. But like, so one of the reasons that Maeve's storyline really got messed up in season three is that like, they started out by saying like, okay, Dolores is the evil host. She wants to kill all humans. Maeve is the good host. She wants to save all the humans. And then th- actually, no, cl- Dolores is also the good host who wants to save all the humans. Okay, so why are you guys fighting? You have the same motivation. And then also like Maeve didn't really have much to do other than like be a super henchman for Chirac, which was not that interesting to see. So it's like as soon as Maeve got out of the World War II world simulation, she got really shafted last season. But in this one, they've actually given her like an adventure to go on, like in seasons one and two. And she's going to go to a new park and have an adventure, which is like the Maeve thing. And what they've done with Caleb, quite wisely, I think, is just slotted him into the Felix or the Lee role of like, the hapless dummy human sidekick to Maeve, which is fine. That's great for you, Caleb. That's right where you belong. It is. That's the amount that his character can have on his shoulders and have it be fine and make me not want to turn the channel, which is this is that's not how TV works anymore. I could just close my eyes or or shut the screen off. But yeah, no, the things you said were sort of true, mainly that the storyline was interesting for this episode but i would argue that it's not because they made caleb more interesting or mave more interesting or that they gave them motivations that made more narrative sense the reason it was better is because they gave them better shit to do yeah they completely railroaded them into a adventure sequence of like that Guy said something about a senator, so the quest has been taken up, and we're on that quest now, and we're going to go there. And I was like, okay, that feels out of nowhere, but that's fine. And it is out of nowhere, and the only reason it's fine is because cool shit happens. If cool shit didn't happen, and then at the end, the thing that we desperately wanted to happen anyway happened to the worst storyline, which is great. Because it needed some, it needed all of these things 
to occur for me to care about them at all. Caleb, though, still not as good as Felix or Lee for Maeve sidekicks. I mean, how much better would it be if, like, Maeve just rocked up to Felix's house and is like, Felix, come on, adventure time with me. And he's like, Maeve, I haven't seen you since they wrote me out of the show in season two and didn't give me a satisfying conclusion. She's like, well, guess what? Now's your chance. Sylvester, go! Sylvester's the Pokemon I choose. So they're on their road trip to California. They catch up. Oh, you have a wife now? Yes. Oh, you have a cabin now? Yes. Maeve is drinking Good. and driving, but i that's probably fine because she's a robot. Uh, no, it's never fine. James. I don't think she, she can should be, be drunk unless she chooses. She to should. She's a bad example right. for all the children who yeah. watch Westworld. True. They arrive at a mansion. They meet the senator and their wife, and they're like, we're here from your friend William, and... Then Maeve shoots them because they're not real humans. They've been replaced by hosts. It's future world shit. Oh, my God. Yes, the senator is there. Enter Jack Coleman, a.k.a. the state senator from The Office, a.k.a. Noah Bennett from Heroes, a.k.a. Senator Ken Whitney and his wife, Anastasia. As you said, they are both hosts. Cue action sequence. They don't respond to freeze all motor functions. Ooh. So we're replacing important people with robots. That is some future world shit, some secret invasion kind of stuff. And maybe they're up upgraded versions of robots because Maeve is not able to freeze their motor functions or she's just getting worse at her shit. Dr. Ford's dream is finally happening. And then they have a fight sequence that fucking blew. Production note here. After season two, I told Ryan that we should do a podcast about future world. And he said he didn't want to watch it because it sounds terrible. It does sound terrible. And I don't want to watch it. (laughs) Through this scene, though, we do learn that there are 249 other robots out there. Uh, The senator's wife, Anastasia, had her sister at that massacre that happened at the end of Westworld Season 1. So the senator was like, yeah, I'm not going to be helpful. Right, yeah. After Maeve defeats them, they they see their memories. Maeve, by the way, at, at first can't control them. And then after, I guess, beating the shit out of them a little bit, she could control them. Strange how that yeah, works. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. She sees the memory of William being like, come on, Senator, support my new park. And he's like, no, my wife was killed by robots at your park. She wouldn't be she wouldn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I guess I'll do the solution that I do. Right. And that's when Hale comes in. And, you know, even though she's about to kill him, she monologues anyway. And then she, for some reason, and this was, I thought, the stupidest part of the show. She's like, and now go lock the wife in the horse barn. Yeah, we have access to a barn and a bunch of dead looking horses that we're going to put blood on. So go put her in the the barn. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. I suppose it's just another thing to show, hey, some of these people are important enough to be like, full-on robots and some of them are not important so we just make them mind-controlled black goo people with the flies so there's like two levels of control and anastasia is like on the level where she kills all of her prized horses because she's filled with bugs i do like that in the memory she sees that they've killed these two replaced them with robots and they're doing human experimentation on the wife and Maeve's deadpan reaction of like, oh, this is this is pretty bad. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's much worse than I thought. 
So, yeah, they go to visit the barn. The senator's wife, as Ryan said, crazy, cutting up horses. She's talking about her house and the horses and opera. And then she does a suicide by cop with Maeve. I guess, yeah, there's probably flies in her brain. Before that, she tells them that it's opening night and they are invited to something. And which is, you know, it's exactly like he said something about a senator in California and we must go to that. Like... They are not following, I call it like the South Park rule of storytelling, but it's not theirs exactly. It's, it is the story circle as well. It's, it's using therefore and but between beats. Yeah. Like Maeve saves Caleb from a murder robot. And then there you, it, the next word isn't therefore or but it's, and she says that there's some shit in California that they have to do. Then they go to California. Future world is happening. And yeah, we get an invitation <laughs> to the next says, scene. <laughs> yeah, this is the story structure of a Bethesda game. <laughs> right, which is it's bad. It, the, 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 the definition of this kind of story is bad. But. Right, things are happening. <laughs> and so, like, I am a little concerned that maybe we are enjoying this storyline because it's been so shit for so long. And now that anything interesting is happening, we are like, we're letting our nostalgia for what their characters used to be. Maeve, not Caleb. Caleb was always sucked. But is this going to come crashing down at some point? Not for this episode, but it feels like it has to because the story's still bad. It's just that dope shit's happening. Maeve puts... Caleb in a tux, and she puts on a fancy dress, and Caleb doesn't like to wear a tux, which is as a reference to season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, like yeah. to wear suits, you guys. That's, that's, his, that's the character feature of him. That's him. That's his moment. That's like top five things about him. They go to an opera house. Caleb makes fun of the show by being like, why don't you search for hosts with your robot magic? And she doesn't find them. And he also calls Carver. One of his red shirts. Mm, Adam Carver. Yeah, Adam Carver. Coincidence? I think not. Go listen to our Call to Cthulhu campaign on the HBO Boys. And Carver is like, yeah, no, your family is chill and I am watching them and they will not be hurt. I'm sure that will never change. Goodbye. They then follow a long corridor into what appears to be an early 20th century jazz bar, like in the Great Gatsby or something. That's what it looks like. I like that Mm -hmm. movie, by the way. Yes, good movie. Boz Lerman, Elvis, want to see. So while there, some exposition kind of, he's like, are we ever going to talk about the, what is it, what does he say? The, the, I don't know. I I need to interrupt you here. House? Uh, Yes. Uh, Are we going to talk about the lighthouse? Uh, Obviously referring to something that happened within the seven years in between seasons three and season four, assumably when he was bleeding out on the ground and Maeve saved his life during the whatever robot war, blah, 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 blah. Uh, It's uh, you, you see Budapest differently. Okay. Whatever. I don't (laughs) care. This is, I I just thought of something that we know when I was, I said the words Boz Lerman, Elvis, you know, because Boz Lerman directed the great Gatsby and Mm -hmm. also the new Elvis movie with Mm -hmm. Austin Butler that I definitely want to see because it looks really good. Mm -hmm. But I said it's sort of like a robot. What an opportunity missed. Season one, episode one of Westworld, I should have pretended like I was a robot. Oh, yeah. The conceit of this podcast should have been you're a human. I'm a robot. Mm-hmm. The fact that we didn't do that. Right. We I'm should so have been doing mad. characters. 
the whole we time. We should have been doing characters. We would have been huge. Then the bar starts to shake. Oh, it's actually a train. Shut. Maeve quotes that is her, crazy. her dialogue from season one about when she crossed the sea. It's callbacks to season one, baby. That's how you know the, the show's probably going to end soon. Lots of callbacks. You said that last time. Oh, by the <laughs> way, recently announced the fifth season is the end for hey, Westworld. Whoa. Ayo. Then, A-O. then when they're on the train, they get approached by the concierge host from season one. It's more callbacks. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, number one, we understand that we are going back to a park, a thing that everybody wanted, mm-hmm. which is fun. Maeve watches outside as they go and it's like, oh, f- fuck. And then new Clem, I mean, Sophia, played by Lily Simmons, asks them about their reservation and is yeah. helping them. And I was like, we're doing it. And Caleb then at some point is looking like at white and black clothes. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's Yo, go back to yeah. start, baby. Nostalgia bomb makes this palpable. Yeah. They take Caleb's phone so they can definitely see who the number he called last. I'm sure that will be helpful for them and his family. That's yeah, that definitely was really safe. Caleb, he really should have just been like. Okay, but first, like, honey, could you just, you know, just do that thing with my phone, you know, where you lock it, and then she could have just wiped it with her powers, and then... Or just put it in his mouth. Oh, I accidentally bit my phone in half. That always happens to me. Okay, and then what... We also have a a huge bad guy plot line in this episode. Oh, and this is the good shit. So Clementine, who completely exploded and had her core obliterated in a previous season... Uh, is now living peacefully in, uh, I don't know, did they say where, like Marrakesh or something? Guanajuato, Mexico. Okay, not even close. (laughs) (laughs) And she gets tracked down and attacked by William, who immediately kills her. He's like, where, where is she? And she's like, I'll never tell you. That's fine. I'm not wearing hockey pants. Yeah, no. (laughs) Clementine Pennyfeather, the best name back on the show. Thank gosh. Oh my God. I'm so glad for her to have a very large role. Killed immediately by William. Later on, the Justice Department sends their head of counterterrorism to Delos, and he gets humiliated by the secretary, who is now Clementine. Oh my god, thank Christ. Clementine is back, baby. And now she's here, and she's a a hard-nosed secretary. And Jim Navarro from the Justice Department, the Deputy Attorney General for Counterterrorism, is here. And Clem reflects him way too easily. He's like, I brought two guys. Let me in, please. And she was like, no. And he was like, oh, shit. Go make an appointment. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Charlotte Hale Dolores, very nostalgic. She really mm-hmm. doesn't want to let go of a single one of her friend hosts. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. She's yeah, she's she, bringing back she, the oldies she but loves the goodies. Season one, <laughs> she just wants to have all the actors. As do we all, all James. Yeah. And uh, it is funny because Clementine secretary is like, "What are you here for, deputy director?" He's like, why do you think I'm here? You replaced half of Congress with horny robots. <laughs> and I know about it. And I'm here for that. And he, but she's like, you don't have enough people. You have to go. And he's like, solid point. Goodbye. Then we get a pretty long scene of the president hey, meeting William. And I think since this is a just, vice president. Yeah. He's the vice president. Vice president. And I'm going to this is the scene. I'm going to watch this scene on YouTube a shit ton of times. And since this is just back and forth, two characters exposing at each other, rather than Amazing. just say he said, she said, maybe better yes. for me and Ryan to just act out the scene as it happens. Yes, I knew it from the beginning what you wanted, <laughs> and I'm excited about it. 
So do you want to be William or the vice president? <sighs> I'll be the vice president. I think. I Thank think Christ. You I'm glad you picked it. Energy. Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Uh, uh, exterior, golf course, daytime. The vice president's going to see William. Good to see you, William. Sorry I missed your wife's funeral. I had to do a stump speech for a Democrat in a red state in the midterms. Uh, he lost by 20 points, but we raised a lot of money. Oh, uh, yeah. The money that I gave to your campaign. Also, I'm glad that you only brought two secret service agents. That doesn't seem like enough. That's an ominous thing to say. By the way, yeah. uh, could you maybe, whatever you're doing, be more discreet and chill about it? Because now the Justice Department oh. has opened up an investigation on you and it's oh. getting heat on me because we're friends. Oh, you know, they didn't have an appointment, so it's fine. You talk about the <laughs> Hoover Dam shit? Don't, don't even, pfft, don't even worry about that. Oh, they're all full of robot flies. Anyway, uh, you're a fucking pussy <laughs> and I'm about to hit a hole in one. Wow, that's a great hole in one. Can I? Could I? Could you indulge me to quote my favorite author, F. Scott Fitzgerald? Wow, that's kind of out of nowhere. You do you? No, but then you're supposed to you and you and F. Scott Fitzgerald are pussies. You're a fucking pussy. I did really like the time when he was like, "Let's cut the bullshit, pussy," and the vice president's like, "Jesus Christ!" Right. And well, if I'm a pussy, you're you're a psycho. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't hurt my feelings at all. You're just pointing out facts currently. Also, I'm a robot psycho. Let me do this second hit. Oh, wow, that went in too. Pretty lucky. All right, well, uh, I don't like the way you're talking now. I'm I'm going to take my two guys and go. Understood. I'm going to hit this third ball. It went in. Pretty clear I'm a fucking robot now. And then the, the two Secret Service agents are dead. And William's like, that is fuck. F. Scott Fitzgerald sucks. Ernest Hemingway is much better. And that's for that reason, I will kill you. Yeah, Hemingway rules. I'm going to hit you in the face with a fucking golf club. That's a fourth hole in one for today. Everything is going super well. So, yeah, now they have the vice president as a robot, probably. Or a flies man. He seems important enough where you get one of them 249 out there and have actual full-on robot. That's pretty nuts, though. Yeah, I also liked the uh, angry literature discussion here. Oh, this scene fucking ruled. Uh, sure, sending two guys with the vice president is convenient and right. needed to happen for the scene to happen. Whatever. Suspend disbelief and allow a very cool scene where Ed Harris rules to enter your brain and not be a fucking cynical bitch about it. Listen, I'm kind of just talking to me. <laughs> right. Well, I also like when the vice president called William a psycho and William is like woke schooled him and he's like, actually, that's ableist. You should call me neurodivergent. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you shut up. I just still like them for having the exact same like discourse, tone policing arguments like seventy years into the future. You think this stuff would be more commonplace? Like I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! So if all of the Westworld podcast was me playing a robot and you playing a person who obviously knows that I'm a robot, but I can't accept that, that would have been part of that scene for sure. Where I would be like, "How dare you call me that?" <laughs> but also. 
how dare how dare you and you're like well i mean it is some woke bullshit if you if you think about it and you're like yeah only if they're a robot no yeah i disagree anyway move on i just thought that that was a very i mean that was a silly line in a dramatic scene where it's like you're crazy don't call me crazy that's ableist also you and i had that exact discussion Last yes, time. last week because of the Lizzo spaz <laughs> thing. But also, like, there are two or three lines in this scene that are dumb and bad because Jonah and Lisa just cannot hit a thousand. But also, the scene was cool enough. The co- the stuff happening within the scene, Future World is good enough <laughs> that the uh, it provides an infrastructure that all the shit's cool. So they're getting passes which i feel like isn't gonna last forever but while we're here let's enjoy it i just do think that that's like anachronistic like no those are conversations we're having in 2022 in 2070 the conversation will be settled and either we'll have decided that it's okay to call someone a psycho or no one will be doing it we won't still be having the same discussion yeah in a world where the vice president's now a robot perhaps (laughs) this conversation's a waste of time (laughs) anywho Later on, the G-Man from the Justice Department gets attacked by Clementine, and then she get, he gets teased by Charlotte Hale, who then fills him up with flies. Ugh, gross. I don't like the fly thing. The fly thing grosses me out, and I don't like it. I don't like their noises. I don't like them being there in the screen when I have to watch them. I don't like flies, and I wish they were gone. Yeah, he gets, like, zip-tied. Clementine Penny for the best name, zip-ties Jim Navarro. Uh, so yeah, vice president, deputy chief, exact, uh, big honcho, uh, counterterrorism, just like a one-two punch of now they're robots. It's a pretty freaking good day for crispy chicken Charlotte Hale. Next, there's a strange, very strange scene. Hale wakes up the real human William, who he she William has apparently kept alive in order to torture, and she's got him like strung up. He's basically crucified, <laughs> and she's, like, torturing him. And then she quotes his monologue that he gives to Teddy in episode one of season one. Again, more callbacks, baby. It's the callback. Season four is the callback season. and We all like season one. Then she freezes him in carbonite, and is a ha-ha-ha, like that. This was a weird scene for a few reasons. Number one, the suit that William was wearing was, like... Like the guitarist from Limp Biscuit definitely wore it during the 90s on stage with his eyes blacked out and his face with white paint on it, which that was weird. Ed Harris does a very good job. I like the fact that his makeup is different from, you know, the regular William who got his throat slit but is somehow alive. The future and the version of him that's a robot who also shows up, by the way, to be like, hello, I'm also here before you get carbonated. But... The part of the scene I liked, other than it being executed poorly, is, number one, the machine that he is in, William, that is, is real. It's not CGI at all. They built that thing. That's good stuff. But number two is, I think, the feeling of Charlotte Hale is keeping William alive to long-term torture him. But also, I think she's lonely. I think she's keeping William as a pet because... A little part of her knows that, like, he's not her friend, but he's her only friend. Right. Dolores Hale. (laughs) I mean, they they dated 50 years ago. (laughs) It didn't end well, sure. They have a history. 
It's Rocky. You can call it Rocky. Right. They're on again, off again, and right now they're off. What about that one time in the barn? Remember that one? That mm, wasn't chill. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. He might have kind of, maybe kind of deserves this. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no. Oh, oh no. He, uh, he absolutely deserves. I just like the part where she's like, I can't get rid of him. <laughs> He's a part of me. And I'll be a part of him. At the end of the episode, Robo William is giving a Steve Jobs iPhone presentation to his investors <clears throat> about his new park. You know how the robots killed a bunch of us? And that was bad PR. People did not like that. Didn't like it. Did not like it. We thought they'd like it. They didn't. Well, don't worry about that. In fact, forget it. Because now... We're doing the same thing that we did before, right? but slightly different. In my mind, this, this takes place in the same universe as Jurassic World. And, and he's like, well, look at, what, look at what they did with the Jurassic Park. Everyone thought that that shit was dead after the dinosaurs got loose and ate everyone. Yeah. But then they opened it back up and everybody went. Jurassic World and they make 300 goddamn billion dollars. So it's an obvious thing that we have to do. A jazzy Westworld theme is happening in this moment. Thank you, Raman Jawadi, for mm-hmm. murdering it on a constant basis. And again, yeah, a bunch of people died last time. But we're doing it again. What could possibly go wrong this time? Also, we're definitely going to switch all of you guys out with robots. It's like, and then someone in the audience is like, but William, like, when they re- when they opened up Jurassic Park again, the same thing happened. Like, the dinosaurs got loose a second time. <laughs> William walks up to them and goes, shh, 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 shut up. This is the golden age, baby. Roaring 20s park. We're back. Yeah, who would fucking go? <laughs> who would go? It's like, well, a lot of my rich socialite friends were murdered in the Westworld Park, but I do love the twi- I do love Perry Mason. <laughs> yeah, I love Perry Mason. Go listen to our Perry Mason's podcast. Yeah, no, I'm sure they figured it out. I wonder if this park is populated by humans with flies in them. Mm-hmm. They they don't have enough. I mean, how many ro- they said they have 249 robots are they all or is like a large portion of them in this park I, I, a few of them got to be vice presidents up in here i think that the 200 some odd figure was about like how many future world replacements there are if they're gonna have a roaring 20s park they're gonna need thousands of hosts in there but yeah william cuts the ribbon on i don't know what are we calling this noir world and Maeve and Caleb step out into the Roaring Twenties, and I thought this was fucking awesome. And then, yeah, the music they were playing, it was very Perry Mason-esque. And so I, my my dream for this season, Matthew Reese, put him in the season. Oh. Do it. That would be fucking yeah. awesome. You fucking do it, <laughs> cowards. Do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, they call it the Golden Age. Noir World is fine for me, too. Okay. Roaring Twenties Park, that's also fine. I'm going to read you a little Reddit theory and you give me your reaction. So Hale is creating a new world order in the real world that will end up in an all out war that takes us to Bernard's apocalyptic world in the future where Caleb's daughter helps Bernard go back to the Hoover Dam to open the sublime and let all the hosts out to battle Hale's hosts in the commotion. Real William is somehow freed and now can walk and is has a neck now and he gets to the original Westworld Park and brings us to the post credit scene of season two where he sees 
use his host daughter because somehow Hale designed a failsafe if she ever failed. But this isn't the robot version of him and wasn't in that post credit scene. It's the real William. And by the way, did you see the next Don? You're usually a not a next Don. I don't watch those, but uh, yeah, I usually just have them get spoiled by you anyway. Uh, which I just did. And we see a, a young woman in the next on talking to Stubbs and Bernie in a timeline that might be different. And the idea that the Reddit has thrown out there is that that is the grown up version of Caleb's daughter. So perhaps that will happen. Who knows? Okay. I just okay. put Perry Mason in, in, in into normal yeah. do it <laughs> i didn't listen to ryan for the last two minutes perry mason please no i mean that's an interesting theory uh, i do wonder how we will get to the apocalypse because like we know at the end of the world like bernard and robo william are still around because we've seen those unless those was yeah unless that was a dream mm, god i fucking hope not this season like season three is being held together with string and it can fall apart at any given moment And at this moment, some cool shit's happening. So I got the rose-colored glasses on, but they can go opaque black whenever. Speaking of which, Perry Mason season two does not have a release date. It's apparently, it's been shot or it's being shot. It's not clear. I I Mm. can't wait, though. I fucking love Perry Mason. It's been two years. I loved that show. Yeah. Again, go listen to our podcast about Perry Mason season one. I mean, 2020 was a, was a great year for us because it was a great year for HBO. There was so much good shit on there. You have as much nostalgia for the 2020 podcast that this was uh, that you do for the first season of Westworld. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, 2020, all the hits, baby. We had Westworld and we had Lovecraft Country and we had Perry Mason and we had Watchmen. It was amazing. It was pretty good. <laughs> And if you would like to keep listening to podcasts that we do about Westworld or Perry Mason or others and like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash H-B-O-B-O-I-Z for one or more dollar a month. You get a bunch of extra bonus content and you get to join a Discord and you get to talk to us and our our pals about the shows that we like. And also I'll say your name at the end of shows. And those people are Connor O'Dad, Jamie Lochner, James Dong, Chris Wood, Brinkin, Craig, and Carolyn Dreas. Thank you very, very much for the money. We very much appreciate and, it. And if anyone is is still listening at this point, I just want to say, when people still yep. cared about Westworld and, and this podcast, we used to have people tweet their theories at us. And uh, uh, I was so um, amazed to see like somebody tweet about us in season four. It was Andy Sachs back again, the goat. And so if anybody else, Andy or anybody else, has theories about season four... <laughs> Tweet it at us. We'll read them on the show like like it's 2016. <laughs> wow. The nostalgia that you... It's desperate. I like yeah. the... I like how desperate you're... But, I, you know, I do agree with you 100%. Also, before we go, I have two other podcasts at the moment. Uh, Nothing Star Academy, a fictional world. It's like Hogwarts. But if D&D characters went there, an entire first season is up now, 18 episodes. You can go and listen to that. Also, Galactic Kingdom, a cookie run podcast. Do you very specifically what play Cookie Run Kingdom, a phone game? Okay, then this is for you. It's a podcast about it. If it, you don't play that game, it's not for you. <laughs> yeah. If you're playing Diablo Immortal, delete that shit off your phone right now and get... Oh, no. Get... Is it bad? I would, uh, never was going to ever cook, play it. Cookie Kingdom. I don't know. I don't play I don't play smartphone games. I almost said... You play Hearthstone on your true, phone. That's true. I do. 
That's also a PC game. I almost said handphone games because that's how you say that's how you say smartphone in Korea. Anyway, I'm handphone? I'm James. Handphones gross. I don't like that one at all. And I'm Ryan. And if I was a robot for the last six years, we'd be huge yeah, now. We'd be Patreon would be out of control. Robot Rogan and James. <laughs>